Welcome to Today on Broadway for Tuesday, September 22nd, 2020 on Broadway World. Matt Tamanini. And I am arts and culture writer, Alicia Ramirez. Ashley and I somehow forgot, I don't know if it was because we were trying to get done before the Emmys or whatever, we forgot that Monday was not only a big day in the theater community, but also in the R&B community. It was the 21st day of the month of September for our, all of our Little Shop fans. And that's also a uh-huh. big day in uh, the fandom of Earth, Wind & Fire, their song September. So we apologize for letting all of our listeners down for not commenting on those things. It's weird because we record the day before. It doesn't cross my mind and we don't see the tweets and stuff about it. Like It's always the same thing with like um, Eliza Doolittle Day on the 20th of May or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I always think I'm like, man, that day sounds familiar when I say it at the top of the show, but it's the day before when we record. So I feel like I let everybody down and I, I just, I frankly, wholeheartedly and genuinely apologize. Yeah, I I found out about it this morning. I, I read somebody's tweet that said, don't forget about the plants. And I thought about <laughs> you guys like, oh my God, it, they already recorded the episode. It's already out into the world. You would think that after like four and a half years of doing this, I would have just put these things in my calendar, but I am admittedly <laughs> not very smart. So uh, maybe next year, maybe September 21st, 2021. Oh my Lord. Maybe I'll remember then. But the only way you'll know for sure is if you first get into our Patreon, that way you can hear it before anybody else over at patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. All right, Alicia, let's get into the news. And leading off today is the story that Ashley and I touched upon during yesterday's show. We talked a little bit about the uh, Creative Arts Emmys, where both uh, Ron and Jasmine Cephas Jones won Emmys. But as I said, we were recording just before the actual Emmy broadcast on Sunday night took place on ABC. So... Let's get into those. As hosted by Jimmy Kimmel, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, the awards were mostly remote and socially distanced, although they did have some presenters and bits happen uh, on a very kind of weird um, stage in the uh, in the Staples Center in Los Angeles. Alicia, did you watch the Emmys on Sunday night? I saw bits and pieces because I was also watching the benefit concert for the Animal Lighthouse Rescue that Ashley and I spoke about last week. Yeah. Um, with Colton Ryan and Ashley Park. So so I was just dividing my attention in, in those things. Yeah, I was too. I was not watching that concert. I was flipping back and forth between the Emmys happening at the Staples Center and the NBA playoff game with one of the normal residents of the Staples Center, the Los Angeles Lakers. So I was going back and forth, but I, I DVR'd it and caught back up. Uh, on Monday and watched everything. I'm not going to go through all of the winners, but I will just say that Canadian sitcom Shits Creek swept the comedy awards last night. Like, literally, they became the first series to ever win all of the major awards in a genre. All four of the acting, um, directing, writing, and uh, best comedy series. HBO's Succession dominated in the drama categories, and HBO's Watchmen led in the limited series and TV movie categories. And as always, there were a number of theater stars that were honored specifically on Sunday night. And as I said before, there were a number uh, of theater folks that were uh, honored in the, the lead up, inclu- and in, in addition to the Cephas Jones pair, uh, Cherry Jones, no relation, also won um, a uh, an Emmy over the weekend. But on Sunday night, Jeremy 
Jeremy Strong won the Best Actor in a Drama Series for Succession. In the Best Actor in a Limited Series or TV Movie category, Mark Ruffalo won for I Know This Much Is True. In the Supporting Actor in a Drama Series, Billy Crudup won for The Morning Show. And in the Supporting Actress in a Limited Series or a Movie, Uzo Aduba won for Mrs. America. This is, of course, her second Emmy Award, having previously won for Orange is the New Black. Can I just say... Matt. Yes, you may. I'm a little bit bitter for Billy Porter. I wanted Billy Porter to win this year. What category was he in? Was that would have been the best actor in a drama series? Yes, the lead actor. Yeah, I mean, he was also nominated. Jeremy Pope, who we're going to mention here in a little bit later, he was also nominated a bunch of them. It's just one of those things where it's so obvious kind of going in which series are going to dominate. I don't think that everybody mm-hmm. predicted that uh, Shit's Creek was going to dominate as much as it did. But going in, you kind of knew that um, Shit's Creek and Succession and Watchmen were going to dominate their respective uh, genres. I don't know that we necessarily expected it to that degree. But, you know, it's it's when Jen and I used to do some like it pop and we actually talked about how we kind of missed talking about the Emmys. The Emmys are by far the worst award ceremony in actually recognizing the best (laughs) work done in a a field in any given year. The Oscars aren't that much better, um, but the the Emmys are hamstrung by the fact that, like, just the rules on what qualifies for what categories and how you can put things in, it's just horrible. And the the Emmy voters are – I mean, they're like, take your mom and dad's stuffy best friends. Those are the types of people who tend to vote for the Emmys. And that's not, you know, um, Uh taking anything away from the people who won. But they're usually, like, behind on what's popular. That's why I was kind of surprised that Watchmen, um, which is not something that I thought that they would normally like, but... Um, they're always behind a little bit, so it's always a little weird. And the it's it's the the safer, more traditional stuff is usually what wins there. But mm-hmm. eh, it's an honor just to be nominated. They say, of course, yeah. But in other theater tangential news, playwright turned billionaire movie maker Tyler Perry was awarded the Governor's Award last night on Sunday night, which recognizes either extraordinary or cumulative accomplishments. Take your pick on which one you think uh, warranted Tyler that one. Uh, The Greatest Showman star Zendaya made history by becoming the youngest winner for Best Lead Actress in a Drama for her role in Euphoria. She also becomes only the second black woman to win that award, joining Viola Davis. Speaking of incredibly uh, well-decorated black women, Regina King won her fourth Emmy in five nominations over the course of the past six years. She has two for American Crime, uh, which were both supporting in a limited series, then one for Seven Seconds, which was in in the lead for um, a limited series, and then this year for Watchmen, which was also lead for a limited series. She also snuck, snuck an Oscar in the middle of, of that Emmy's run, and... Alicia, I've always said that I think Viola Davis, the aforementioned Viola Davis, is the best actor in the world. And obviously some people will throw Meryl Streep in there as well. But I tweeted on Sunday night after Regina won, like, I think at this point we kind of have to just say Regina King is up there with them as well. Like the work she's done on TV and movies. And I texted a producer friend of mine after she won and I was like, hey, can you just get her in a show so she can get her Tony and like make it one step closer to the EGOT? Because uh, she's just that incredible in everything that she does. Oh, definitely. I, I want to go back to Zendaya for a moment. Please do. I, I read this afternoon on Twitter from the New York Post. It said upset Zendaya's win. Oh, my God. The, oh, my God. Hello. It's- well, let me. 
Let me explain what happened here. So I think from everybody who was watching the awards and kind of predicting things, there was no one really predicted that Zendaya would win this category. So what the New York Post's tweet was, was that it was the biggest upset of the night. And I don't think from anybody who kind of follows these things, that's a surprise at all. But what happened was Zendaya's fans or stands, if you will, either don't understand the English language or were just trying to make something out of it. They seemed to think that the word upset meant that people were mad about it. Yeah. And I I did not see anybody who was upset with it, to be honest with you. Like, I think most people were really thrilled by her winning. um, But yet it's turned into this thing where young, very young teenage fans were trying to make it as if people were upset about her winning rather than her win being an upset. It was very weird and very bizarre. Yeah, for sure. Because regardless of of it being weird or not, she shouldn't have to worry about this. I didn't find it controversial. It's just, oh my gosh. I'm sure she's not worried about it. Like, I'm sure she she seemed very thrilled and celebrating with her family. It's just one of those weird, stupid Stan internet things where they make something out of nothing um, that is was a very uncontroversial statement and i am not someone to defend the new york post by any means uh but in this (laughs) one i think they were pretty safe in how they worded it uh but moving on um in addition to the awards and some quasi humorous bits throughout the night um one of the highlights of any awards ceremony is always the in memoriam segment and i have to say i thought that this was one of the best ones that I've maybe ever seen um, with recording artist H.E.R. singing and playing both piano and guitar to a soulful cover of Nothing Compares to You. Not only did the Emmys do the traditional running through of the names of industry icons who passed away since the last awards ceremony, but for the first time that I can remember, the Emmys put these people's careers in a bit of visual context that I think helps a lot. Uh, In many cases, they not only put their name and their headshot and their job title like actor or writer or director, that's how they always do it. But in many Mm -hmm. cases, they put it in front of some sort of set or imagery that's connected to their career. It opened up with Regis Philbin's name and headshot in front of the very famous studio for live with uh, Kathy Lee and then Kelly. Then for they had Studio 8H for a producer who worked on Saturday Night Live and um, inside the actor's studio set for James Lipton and many others. I thought it was a really nice touch because so many of these people aren't household names, Alicia. But if you say they're a producer and then you show a set for something that we all know, you're like, oh, okay, that's really, you know, that's cool. I know what that is. So um, I really like that. And I hope that other uh, award ceremonies, including the Tonys, kind of take the lead from that as well. But uh, after the In Memoriam segment, stage and screen star Zach Braff tweeted a bit of annoyance that his friend in Bullets Over Broadway co-star Nick Cordero was not included in the In Memoriam segment. He said, quote, for those wondering, the Emmys chose to leave Nick Cordero out of the memorial montage. I had no idea one had to campaign to get their loved one in. We did. They passed. Cordero, however, was included in a longer In Memoriam segment that was released online. And Alicia, I... I understand why these types of things bother people after every award ceremony, Grammys, Emmys, Oscars, Tonys. It happens every year because they they want to see someone that they care about and love remembered. But there's only so much time in these TV broadcasts. And while Cordero did work Mm -hmm. on TV, he was primarily a stage performer. So while it would have been wonderful to have him included, especially given the circumstances that led to his passing – I at least understand the Television Academy's decision not to have him on the broadcast, but in the longer one that they released online. 
Yeah, definitely. All right, let's move on to some other news. On Monday, the Off-Broadway League announced the election of Casey York as the organization's new president. She's also the general manager of Ars Nova, so you know where she comes from. In a statement, she said, quote, Our industry has been decimated by the twin pandemics of COVID-19 and systemic racism and the pervasiveness and persistence of state-sanctioned violence against black people. We know the industry will not be the same when we reopen after this pandemic, and we must take this opportunity to reimagine and lay the groundwork for the industry-wide changes that are necessary. The Off-Broadway League is a volunteer organization, so it's much different than the Broadway League, which is uh, kind of a trade organization for people who meet certain criteria. But the leadership terms are for one year, so I do not envy uh, Casey York's job trying to build things back up during her first term. In the show notes, we will have a link to the entire new leadership and the board for the Off-Broadway League. In completely unrelated news, nothing that I could make a smooth transition on. Yesterday, Variety reported that Gabrielle Union will be hosting a reading of an episode of Friends, but featuring an all-black cast, including a handful of theater favorites. The event will happen tonight, Tuesday night, on uh, at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and will feature Sterling K. Brown as Ross, Ryan Michelle Bath as Rachel, Uzo Aduba as Phoebe, Aisha Hines as Monica, Kendrick Sampson as Joey, and Jeremy Pope, who I mentioned before, as Chandler. The reading will spotlight When We All Vote, a nonpartisan voter registration organization, and will happen on Zoom where it happens. You must RSVP to watch, and you can do so at mobilize.us. Uh, I grew up with friends always being on, either originally or in reruns. Um, never cared to watch an episode all that much, but I, although it's pretty early for me to be watching things, I'm, I'm going to try to watch this one, Alicia. Me too. I I don't have a connection to Friends. It hasn't really caught my eye. I don't get what the hype is all yeah. about. You're too. You're but... way too young to actually care about Friends. <laughs> okay, I'll I'll take it. Yeah. But having Uzo Duba and Jeremy Pope, why not? Yeah. I mean, it's a half an hour, 22 minutes. What you know? What's the most you can do? But all right. So let's talk about a couple of recommendations um, that are two very different things. One very new school. One a little older school. The first one, it was announced on Monday that the original stars of the West End production of Six will be reuniting next month on October 10th for a live concert that will not only be live streamed around the world, but also will feature an in-person, socially distanced audience. The event will be presented on digital theater platform Thespy, and will also uh, have people live in person. It'll take place at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time on October 10th. Obviously, that's later in the day over in London. Uh, and streaming tickets are now available at thespy.com. And if you are going to be in London, um, you can uh, get tickets for that there as well. And, uh, and actually, they're not going to be doing the show six, just to make sure I make that clear. They will be paying tribute to various female pop artists, many of whom uh, inspired the characters that they played in six. Yeah, and this is a really exciting event, especially after the news last week that they're going to start the run again in November. Mm -hmm. So it gets people excited if they can make it to London or the UK tour. Yeah, absolutely. Lots of six. I've had my issues with the producing plan of six doing 9,000 different before, uh, productions even before it comes to Broadway, but they're really kind of taking the bull by the horns and trying to make things as accessible as humanly possible as we restart live theater from the pandemic. 
All right, so now let's go to the last recommendation, which is a little more of a throwback than Six is. On Sunday night's Seth Rudetsky concert, he had Judy Kuhn as his guest, and we have a highlight from that where she performed Someone Else's Story, the song that she originated uh, in chess. One of my favorites. I love Judy Kuhn. She's also technically still slated to be a part of Assassins, which we talked about last week, whenever Classic mm-hmm. Stage Company returns. This will be uh, available on demand on Broadway World events if you want to check that out. All right, Alicia, that is all that we have for today. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW. Matt, Alicia, where can people find you? People can find me on Twitter and Instagram at AvaryMiraScar31. All right, uh, Alicia, you and Ashley will be running the show tomorrow. So everybody have a wonderful Tuesday, and we will be back to talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>